welcome back. You're listening to another incredible episode of Inside Soccer. With your host, Bill Peterson. Inside Soccer brings you the soccer fan. Expert analysis and opinion on the critical issues facing the game today. Bill will also bring you guests that have incredible stories and historical perspectives on the game. With soccer experience spanning 20 years, the Rolodex is open to bring you the voices and opinions you want. Sit back and wherever you are in the world, enjoy today's episode. Welcome back, Inside Soccer listeners. My name is Bill Peterson, and this is Inside Soccer, Episode 19. This episode brought to you by Top Sport Solutions. If you have a challenge, Top Sport has a solution. Today, we reach a height so great and an honor so big, I could have never imagined we'd be here on Episode 19. So I want to forego the normal opening and all the chit-chat that I normally do, and let's spend this entire session with our guest today, and it is a guest of honor. She has played in the 1991 and 1999 World Cup. She won the Golden Shoe in 1991 with 10 goals in that World Cup. She's played in the Olympics in 1996 and won a gold medal. Played in Europe, and we're going to find out if she was the first woman to ever play in Europe professionally, because I have a sense that maybe, or at least one of the early ones, uh, but played in a country near and dear to me in 1992 and 94. 153 caps for the U.S. national team. And these next two are just incredible for me to uh, sort of comprehend. FIFA Female Player of the Century, um, which is just an incredible honor that, first of all, FIFA realized at that stage that females did play because I lived in Europe during that time and wasn't always that way. And also uh, made the FIFA List 100 list, which was put together by Pele and some others uh, at FIFA, and uh, was... Uh, inducted into the U.S. National Soccer Hall of Fame, along with Eric Winalda and Paul Calagiri. So uh, a lot of honors. Please let me welcome the incredible Michelle Akers. Hello, Michelle. Hi, Bill. (laughs) How are you? I'm fine. It's a long list. I think I cut it short. It's a long list. So we have uh, we have a lot to cover. But, you know, it's I just keep unearthing things. And you know, a little bit of uh, shame on me. I, I lived in Europe in the 90s when you were really hitting your stride, I think, with a lot of this and, and was not really too involved with soccer. I was just getting my head around it. Uh, we had relationships with Ajax and Barcelona and Cruyff and some others. Mm-hmm. So through osmosis, I was like rubbing elbows with some of the greats. And, and you know, I, could, I couldn't tell you one thing about it at the time. Uh, and then in 2000, <laughs> yeah, 2000, I came back and worked for AEG and you know, I've been involved now in some form or fashion for, for 20 years. And, you know, as I've told you, I knew of you and I've known uh, some of these things. But digging into it, uh, it's incredible the impact you've had on the game. And so, uh, again, let's let's get into this and let's start at the beginning, Michelle, and, and okay. tell us how you first got into soccer. Yeah. So I grew up in Santa Clara, California. And um, until like the age of 10. And I was one of those girls uh, who was the the only girl, the single girl in a pack of boys playing some sport. Right. Um, it, whether it was in the street playing football. And I I always wanted to be um, like Mean Joe Green on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like I, <laughs> I loved him and I had his jersey and. Like that was my total dream. Did you line up at an angle? Like, could you get down in a three-point stance and line up at an angle? I probably did. Yeah, I was like I'm, the smallest. You know, I played against like the high school boys and and all the boys in the in the middle of the street. You know, when you do, you're playing in your like car. Yeah, and then you run up. Yeah, that that was us. And then, so I was like that little girl trying to be him and running into these guys and just getting shed like, you know, a, a piece of dust off their, off their, their arm. So, um, I tried and, and, um, my third grade teacher, in fact, Mrs. Erickson, I, I had a, um, share, it was like one of those sharing days and I brought, I wore my Jersey and I had my football and I was like, yes, I'm tell, I'm going to tell them about being a Pittsburgh Steeler and mean Joe green and I'm playing the NFL. And she was like, girls don't play football. And I, and I, I was like, yes, they do. And I, oh, I was sent to the principal's office over that. So, um, my mom was called and I was horrified. I was going to be in trouble and said she chewed out the principal 
and told him, you know, don't ever tell my daughter what she can and can't do. And that was kind of like, yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah. So, um, I did not become a Pittsburgh Steeler, obviously. Um, but I played like one on the soccer field. Um, that's my consolation. Uh, so, you know, with, with all of that, my mom just started putting me in sports. She kind of gave up on ballet and kind of girl, common culture, girl type activities. Um, and then, uh, tried me, God, I played baseball and, um, every, every sport. And then she tried soccer. It was a new sport in Santa Clara and the PAL had uh, their first league and I was the you know, on, on their first teams, um, that girls were allowed to play on there. So that's, that's how I got into it. That's incredible. So what you may or may not know is I'm actually from Western Pennsylvania and grew up, uh, you know, in the seventies when the Steelers were actually, uh, oh winning a lot of games. And, uh, one of the other deals we have here is a pro football show that I do with Mike Malarkey who played for the Steelers and coached for the Steelers. Oh, and so we sit God. around and talk a lot about the influence those guys had. And I, and I got a chance to travel with Chuck Knoll and, and, and these other things. And, you know, the influence they had on us. So when you're telling that story, I'm like, she's from Western PA. She's one of us. <laughs> you know, oh, we were all yeah. Steeler fans and we all, uh, it was me and Joe and Jack Lambert and, you know, the rest yes. of them. It was, it was great. Iron curtain, baby. But that attitude, right. it sounds like that attitude somehow from, you know, the whole way out in California, you were able to sort of adopt as your own and, and apply it. And, you know, did an incredible job, ended up going to college on the East Coast at UCF, which, uh, you know, I don't think I heard of UCF until a few years ago. So how did you hear about it and how did you end up there? Well, I was, um, when I was 10, we moved from Santa Clara to Seattle and that was a super, you know, Northwest was a huge soccer hotbed at that time because the NASL, Seattle Sounders, mm-hmm. uh, and, and all those players, uh, when, when they retired or even when they're still playing, uh, they kind of embedded into the community to grow the game. Um, and so while I was there, I loved uh, my favorite player was Dave Gillett for the Seattle Sounders, number 17, Dave Gillett. Um, and so I like worshipped uh, Dave Gillett on the field and, and, of course, Pelé and a bunch of other players. So that was an amazing place to be a soccer player. My my dad would come to my games and and traveled and in, into our little tournaments we went to. And there we traveled with this two, girls team that was two years younger than us all the time. And their coach, her name was Sue. And Sue came up to me one day and was like, "Hey, your dad's kind of cute." Um, so I introduced them. They wound up getting married, and and this is the long story, is Sue was one of the first females to um, go to the U.S. soccer coaching school for an A license. And at that school, um, she met a a guy named Jim Rudy, who was the head coach at University of Central Florida. Um, So she had like a great, uh, impression of him, um, versus most of the other guys in that school were very, you know, uh, uh, like, uh, stringent German culture. Women don't play soccer. Women don't do soccer. This is a male only thing. So she, when I came time to be recruited, you know, Anson recruited me to go there heavily and, I went and checked out a bunch of schools, but in the end, um, I looked at University of Central Florida and Sue, my stepmom, I call she's my step monster, I call her, um, said, Oh my gosh, I, I love Jim Rudy and I love the school. I loved that they were um number two in the country at the time. This was in eighty four. No, eighty. Eighty four. Um, yeah. And uh I like the fact that they didn't have all the I don't know. Uh, it wasn't like they were a shoe in to win anything and we would have to work hard and, and be tough and work together. And it was almost like we were underdogs to beat UNC, um, or to be national champions. And that the combination of all those things just was really exciting to me. So that's how I got to University of Central Florida, all the way to Orlando from Seattle, and I know it couldn't be further. That is a fantastic story. That's a fantastic story, and it it is a great school, but it has changed. I mean, Orlando has changed 
Yeah. I started doing work there in 91, and, you know, I live two hours away now. If I go there now, it's like you hardly recognize it, but the school has really grown up. I mean, it, yeah. is, uh, it, is a, it is a big deal here in Florida and other places for a lot of reasons, but, uh, man, that is cool. But you get on a plane in Orlando, and they say you're flying to Seattle. That is, uh, that's a day's worth of uh, flights right there. Oh, my it's a gosh. Long, long-ass flight. I, and, you know, this— and those were the days when they, we didn't have cell phones. So right. you know, to call my parents, or you literally got on a phone and collect call from Michelle, you know. Um, so, you know, it just was really, it was a big decision. I, you know, I was basically following my dream. So right. um, that was the impetus for me and the courage to do that. And never, and I never looked back because of it, although I was extremely homesick at first, I was like, what am I doing here? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, our team was awesome, though, because half the team was a bunch of New Yorkers who, um, you know, the F word was every other word. Yep. And, um, the other half was, uh, uh, you know, Christians that were, you know, bringing the Bible to practice. And so it was like this incredible mix of people. Um, and we came together and they were tough as nails and worked hard and loved each other on the field. And it was a really great, um, great team and great environment to, uh, to be a part of. That's fantastic. So what, what do you think has changed the most in the college game since the time you played until today? Gosh, do we have five hours? Um, well, gosh. Okay. So the reason why I went West coast, uh, from Seattle was because there was no D one teams, uh, on the West coast because Santa Clara recruited me university of Washington, but they were, all, they were club teams right. at the time. So they had no scholarship money. There was nothing there. So when I thought was my choices were East coast. Um, so now I just, the girls and guys, they have so many schools to choose from the, the money, the scholarship opportunities are amazing. Um, the, the, the facilities are amazing. I, the call, the level of play is, is obviously much higher now. Um, probably except for Anson and a few other teams. Um, so it, it, um, I mean, and the number, just the number of coaches now, um, players, uh, alumni that have all been involved in the sport. Um, it, it just, it's black and white. It's, it's, it's a totally different experience now, although at the core of it, of course, it, it's essentially the same. We're all, you know, getting on the field and, and loving to play the game and, and trying to do some classes on the side, you know, <laughs> it's really good to see though, but I, but that's division one athletics too. That's another uh, conversation we've had here, which we'll, 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 we'll do again on, on another day. But if you commit to that scholarship, you've committed your life to, you know, that's, that's what, that's what sort of directs you every day is, is your, uh, your commitment to soccer. And then you've got to figure out how to get an education around that because it's, yeah. It's it's big time. Uh, we had Coach Eddie from Clemson on uh, a few weeks ago, and they just finished like I think about a thirty million dollar facility for the women's team, uh, wow. and the men's team has one as well, and it's just absolutely gorgeous. So, I mean, I personally love it. I've got I've got a daughter that plays. Uh, well, she was until she tore ACL a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, but you know, you think about this really started in a lot of places as a women's sport. And, and not every place, I understand that, but not every place, but a lot of places. And it is, if you look at a club, probably 50% or close to 50% women, it's great to see the facilities. It's great to see the competitions, uh, the things that are happening uh, for them. The NWSL, which we'll talk about in a minute, uh, yeah. all that stuff starting to finally take root in, I think, a real way and for it to be recognized. So that's cool. And you were part of uh, getting that started. You know, I'm sure you didn't think that at the time, but uh, – Looking back on it now, you definitely were. Yeah, and you know, I it's it's it, for me it's it's really cool to think about because I you know I was just like wanting to play, and so I went where the game was. Uh, but prior to that, like my stepmom or even my mom, um, they didn't have that choice, and so Title IX changed everything for for girls and women uh, those opportunities. And but it takes people 
to continually push um, men and women. And so that's what's happened, um, which has been really incredible to be at the beginning of, but also to continue to, you know, step up and, 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 and help that movement and help kids and these programs continue to succeed. Um, so it's, it's, I don't know. I think it's great. And it's, for me, it's not just about the women either. I mean, a lot of the guys I keep in touch with, um, you know, through Facebook and social media, who, who were the, the guys players on the men's team at UCF. And I used to go and train with them and they are much as part of my development as, as the women's side. So I, I, I really love that. It's all, we're all connected and it's the, the, the sport is great for er, everyone and anyone. Yep. Yep. And there is a, there is a, a community there for sure. So uh, the club system today has, has obviously changed since when you played. And, I, and, and look, part of it, I guess, is a natural uh, sort of organic development, maturation of it. It gets bigger. Clubs get uh, absorbed by larger clubs and everything else. But what, what's your, your general opinion of the state of, of the club soccer scene today? And, and is it a positive? Uh, is it too big? I mean, what, what, what do you think? Yeah, that's. I got. And I know we're going to have to do a whole series. Yeah, that's loaded, and <laughs> uh, you know I am not in the middle of all of that. So, right. But uh, you know, I, I think there's a a lot of incredible improvements and and um, opportunities for these players and 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 coaches. Um, I, I think also there's a lot of lost opportunities and uh i guess qualities of back in the old days um you know for instance when i was a player i so when i was 13 i played on under under 19 so i played what five six years of under 19 um and that was part of my development had i been forced to stay at my own age level like nowadays um would i have developed more um as much I you know that's I don't think so I I think I thought that really helped me so I I kind of wish there was a mix of um more of a player focused um, culture mentality in the in the current game um but also utilizing all the technology and resources and gosh uh new new subcultures that we have um and to combine them into one sort of successful comprehensive program with nuances that address different issues or different kinds of players or different needs we have in the various parts of our country so god i don't I, don't, I think you yeah. would be better able to answer all of that than i would uh, right uh, now. I, yeah i don't know i mean i've got a couple of opinions i mean you know, I, I will harken back to when I went to AEG, our owner, jokingly sometimes, and sometimes I think he was dead serious, but he, he, privately, because he didn't speak publicly to the media, but privately he'd say, look, I love soccer because you need a ball and some shorts, Bill. You don't have to look like you. You know, I just come from the whole NFL <laughs> thing and all that. He goes, you don't have to look like you. And I go, I don't take it personal anymore. Um but now, you know, that's not really true. I mean, you better have some, yeah. you got to have money <laughs> to, yeah, to pay fees and travel and equipment and this and that and everything else. And so I, I, I wish the high school scene would come back because I think it would open a game up uh, to some people who maybe can't afford to play. Yes. And I wish yeah. the clubs would, and I know this is almost impossible, but I wish somehow they could de-emphasize the college scholarship. Because I think they end up losing so many kids at an early age. You know, I, I tell the story way too often, but I, I knew this kid a couple of years ago. He was, I don't know, 14, 15. He was the leading scorer on his team, the whole thing. And the coach goes out and recruits a player to come in the next year and tells him he's not going to start a striker. He goes, oh. well, that's fine. I'm a five handicap. I'll see you later. And he goes yeah. and he concentrates on his, and now he's got a golf scholarship and he's playing golf, you know, and it's like yeah. at 14, you made that decision, you know, I yeah. mean, you couldn't find a way it, it shouldn't have been about winning at 14 and it shouldn't be about only going to college because I think we're going to waste the experience of too many kids because now everybody needs to win, right? Everybody needs to be on the top yeah. team and everything else. And, and that's wrong too. But, uh, anyway, so, uh, yeah, I, I agree. That's what, I mean, it's more, 
I wish it could be more, and I said player-centered, focused, but I meant more people-centered, you know, develop the the person um, because realize people are only going to play a sport for so long. And at the end of the day, you need to be developing the person who's going to, you know, be on the planet for hopefully 80 plus years. Um, so, yeah, you know, no, I agree. I agree. I mean, that's kind of gotten lost in the, in the mix of, of, of the big, big business of the game. So I wish that would come back more. I, I totally agree. I think I think the lessons you learn playing a team sport, and I've watched my daughters do individual sports as well, and I, I think there's some benefit to that uh, that's different, but there's some benefit. But the yes. team sport piece, um, you know, th- those are lessons that will help you be successful throughout life, and, and, and they shouldn't get lost. I agree. Yeah, I agree too. All right, so we've got a lot to cover. Uh, this is Inside Soccer, Episode 19. We have the great Michelle Akers with us, and we're going to continue through our list of uh, questions and start to transfer a little bit now to uh, your career uh, with the national team and, and professionally. Um, how did you end up in Sweden? <laughs> I know of all the places. I love that, Sweden. I my 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 father's family's from there. I love I love they're from Malmo. Oh. I love I love Sweden. Oh yeah, been there a number of times. But when I yes. saw that, I was like, wait a second, how did you end up there? Yeah, it's, it's so random. So, I it was before the it was I think eighty nine. Um, so I graduated from college, and um, there was you know a national team, and I wanted to continue to develop as a player, no pro league, no really place to play. I mean, I went out, I went in order to just keep playing and, and, and continue to be challenged and develop myself as a player. I, like I went to the Orlando Lions tryouts just to have a week of training. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I w- even wanted to make the team, although I made it to the final cuts and the coach was like, look, Michelle, we can't have any women on our team. Um, I was like, I, I don't care. I'm, I'm just here to train. So, um, you know, trying to find places to develop, it was really tough. Um, so I said, okay, what, what can I do? Well, I'm going to look overseas. So Anson, I was a midfielder. Anson wanted me to be a, a striker up top goal scorer. And that, that was a foreign and super uncomfortable, uh, endeavor for me. So I, I was, looking for a way to develop myself into a striker and a game changer player. So this team, this person in um, Stockholm at this club, Tirso FF, which I can't pronounce, right? Cause it's more like, which I can't quite get. Um, so I just call him Tirso. Um, they contacted me and his name was Ole and he no way. said, Hey, come play. <laughs> At our club, we're, we are, um, D2, we, we want to go up to D1. We, we need, um, a good player. So I was like, sure. Cause again, it fit right into what I love to be as kind of this underdog, but also I had to learn how to be this game changer player. So I said, this is perfect. So I went, um, I went over there and, um, I got, I, I lived in, in the castle, Tirsus slot, and played with this team. And the coaches were uh, the Sweden women's national team coach and the Swedish uh, youth national team coach, Gunilla and Marika. Um, so I, it, it did what I needed. And I, oh, my, oh my gosh, it was the, the best experience. I loved being there. I loved that culture. The people were just they were so great. I, I had the best time. And so after that was in 90, then our world cup 91. So once the world cup was announced and we played and we won that Tirso, that experience in Sweden was what enabled me to be that player in 91. Um, it helped me learn how to be a game changer. And so, um, it, and I got to do that for the U S. Um, and then, so I went back again in 91 and some of my teammates went with me from the U S team. And so what, I mean, what a great experience. I, it was just the best time I had so much fun and, um, we just really, uh, it was really rich, 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 rich experience. 
oh my gosh, and I love their chocolate. That was out of this. It's world. I mean, you're 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 plowing snow. You're groundbreaking by going. Were you the first American to play in Europe? I don't. I don't know. Um, I know Eric will claim to be the first American to play in Germany. So I don't know. I don't know. But you had to be one of the earliest, if not the earliest. I mean, there there was no other American players in Sweden right. at the time. Otherwise, I would have been like. Oh my gosh, hi, you know. Well, and um, people that may not know, people that may be uh, much younger than me, which is most of the population, if I've got this right, I mean, back at that time, it was the U.S., Sweden, and China, right? In women's soccer? Norway. And Nor Norway. Okay. Norway, Norway rather than Sweden or Norway and Sweden? Yes. Norway. Well, Norway okay. was our nemesis back then, the Viking okay. Biches, so to speak, um, we called them because um, they were so just so tough. Um, and you have to we, be. We hated them, and, and but we, I loved them because we hated them. It was just the best. I loved it. So um, yeah, Norway, China. Um, I mean, Brazil was amazing too. Um, yep. Germany, uh, incredible. You know. Yeah. Oof, Germany, Sweden was good too. You know, they had a, uh, those places had solid leagues. Yeah. So that's my had, point. My point was, yeah. I mean, you weren't, you weren't, you didn't go to some country that couldn't play soccer. I mean, they were, they were actually pretty good at the time. They were good. Yeah. No, they were good. Yeah. Uh, the, we, I mean, the only reason why the USA won was because of Anson and, uh, our athleticism and, and the mentality we had and we weren't on the level uh tactically or technically as those top teams in the world uh for women's soccer at that in that era but but we made up for it and then with athleticism and mentality and then anson you know played to our strengths so our our strategy was score more goals than they could score against us and that's how we're going to win so we did wow and so yeah. your thoughts today on, uh, you know, the, the men have been migrating more and more uh, and playing in bigger clubs. And now in the last really almost 12 months, maybe 18 months, you see a movement uh, to Europe by the women as well. What are your thoughts yeah. there? Fantastic. Yeah. I, I, it's fantastic. Uh, you know, the rest of the world has this sport down. And, and, and secondly, to develop as a player, it's so important to be exposed to other players who are at a, a higher level than you, um, experience different styles of play, different coaches. Um, so d doing that to me only can improve you as a player, but also in increase the experience and culture in our own country. So I, it's so exciting that these players have a, an opportunity to do that. I, I love it. Yeah, and uh, especially on the women's side. I mean, yeah. you know, half jokingly, but actually quite serious. In the '90s, when I lived there, if you said something about women's soccer, they they would they would laugh oh, no. and go, "Did they really place women's soccer?" Agree. You know, Agreed. and now I've I've got a friend who's a CEO at uh, Crystal Palace. He said, "Bill, it's for real." He goes, uh, "We are we are all uh, investing in this. Everyone is dead serious." And it's going to just, it's, he said, it's, it's going to grow like, like a firework. It's going to be yes. incredible over the next few years. Yes. And that to me is really exciting as well, because it's kind of a call to arms for the USA. Yes. You know, we, we do have the NWSL, which is, it, it is great. And it's, it, it's solid there. You know, a lot of ex exciting things happening there as well. Uh, however, the challenge is how do you keep up with these countries who have, you know, football or soccer as, uh, you know, a central figure in their culture and have these layers and depth of knowledge and understanding that we don't have. So I. Well, and they can I, draw players. I mean, it's a rounding error right yeah. now. They can draw players and they and have the these, money. you know, hundred million dollar facilities and everything yeah. else that, you know, if I was a player, I'd go like, Hey, I want to go over and play for uh, the Spurs absolutely. as well. You know I mean? Heck. Absolutely. Um, yes, absolutely. But then, so, which is cool because if, you know, players explore over there and take advantage of, 
uh, of these other opportunities in other countries, but that that you know opens up more opportunity here in the U.S. as well. So is it? I think it's a benefit and a positive in just a million ways. I, I, I think so too. So I've had this conversation about the men uh, forever and ever, and I was like, look, don't be afraid of it. I mean, it's going to force the U.S. coaches and player systems to really focus on true development, not hoping to catch someone, you know, in a fly trap and saying, look how great our club is because we had so and so play for us no now you're yeah. gonna have to go out and really focus because and everybody everybody throughout the whole system is gonna yeah. have to focus on getting better or this thing will will topple over and and only the people who go to europe will be any good and then we won't be very good as a country so that's right i i think it's all positive and it's 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 probably scary for some people who have been around for a while and it's probably scary for people to have to uh be responsible for the performance of those teams, but at the end of the day, I think you know the challenge. You're right; it's going to be it's going to be a tough, tough challenge the next decade or so on the women's side, as all these other players get chances they didn't get before. Um, and we're going to have to fight hard. But you, you mentioned NWSL; it's on our list of things to uh, to, to touch on. Uh, I, I'm a huge fan in a short period of time. I mean, what are your thoughts? Oh, I'm a huge fan too. I, I mean, I wish I could play. I want to play um, and, and they're growing and this, the corporate level of support is growing. Um, the fan base is growing I, and the national the U.S. women's national team is a part of their success and their personalities on, uh, you know, on the field, on and off the field are, are part of that success and continued growth. So um, I, again, I, I'm so excited. I, I wish, I wish it, could be more um i and i wish we had more teams um than we than we have at present but at, at, at the same time the you know the economic model the the business model for it is, is is proving successful so far so i i'm excited that it's growing um and 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 being watched more and applauded um as much as it is so and and that you know how the the NWSL handled uh, the COVID situation to me was really remarkable and inspiring as well. They they were they had such class and um, they a lot of courage uh, to a do lot. that. I, I don't know if I I could have done that, you know, to be honest. So I watched them. I was just in awe, really. Um, so the things that they are facing as a league and as specific clubs and, and teams. And people is 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 monumental, uh, life threatening. You know, can't possibly. So they're taking a lot on, and I'm. I can't tell you how impressed I am or inspired I am by who they are and um, what they're doing um, as a sport and as uh, a people. You know. Yeah, there's something interesting about this this version that, uh, and I don't, I don't know if it's me or if it's something else, but. I really enjoy watching their matches now. And and part of it was them coming out of the box first. I mean, they were really the first professional league to play yeah. coming out of this, uh, which is, is very courageous, as you say. And, and we had Commissioner Baird on, and, you know, they were very focused, very resolute. They knew what they needed to do, but they knew they needed to play as well. And, you know, I think that captured me just the – uh, you're using courage. I'd use balls that they had to, to make this thing work yeah. and, and to go yeah. out there and, and do it and not even like they weren't afraid to make it happen. And they played great, great soccer. Yes. Um, and it was fun to, to watch. We've had some of their owners on as well. It's good to see the ownership stepping up and taking control of the league from us soccer. And, and thank you us soccer for, you know, providing a backstop for them. Yes. But I think if they're, you know, if they continue to be smart and expand at a reasonable rate, because everyone wants continuity, nobody wants teams opening and closing. I get that. Right. Um, you know, it's it 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 should be here to stay, and it should be entertaining. It shouldn't be, you know, oh yeah, we have to have a women's league. No, you're going to want to go watch this. I think. Yeah, that that's yeah. To me, that's the point. Is like the developed players. Well it has to be successful financially correct and but to develop players and then make it exciting to watch and a part of the community uh it's sort of to me it's it reminds me of uh the the nasl days in the 70s you know like for seattle those guys they were selling 
the game. Um, and that's what this, this women's league is still doing um, and needs to keep doing. That, but the Seattle Sounders were part of our community. They, you know, they made the game exciting. You got to know them as people. But, and, and they, they made, um, you know, our, this, not only the soccer family, the soccer community better, but they, they made our, you know, the Seattle area better yep. um, by being by being there so i think that's that's the part um uh, maybe one, uh, one or two pieces that can can accelerate this the wsl in each um venue yeah great points great points okay so uh we're gonna have a couple of quick fire questions at the end but before we get there by all means, share with our listeners on Inside Soccer what you're doing now, because I find this to be and as a person yeah. has had such an impressive career. This part really uh, is impressive to me. So please share with us. Thanks. I uh, well, I'm a mom um, of a 15 year old, so that's that's one part of it, um, which is which is like God help me, and also um, <laughs> it's the best thing of my life. So um, that is one um, and. And then I, I've been doing, um, horse and animal rescue for gosh, since now I'm trying to think of the year 2007. Um, so I just love it. I, I, you know, when I retired, um, you know, one of my dreams aside from being a mean Joe green, uh, on the Pittsburgh Steelers was to, to have my own black stallion as a kid i read the black stallion books mm -hmm. and i i would like daydream about being that kid on the black stallion and having that kind of connection uh with our, this amazing horse and so when i retired that's all i could think about was oh my gosh i can't wait to just you know ride off into the sunset and so i got my first horses i had i bought like five acres and and then and then one day uh someone knocked on my door and said, have you seen this horse? And there was a horse down the road alone and starved. And, um, they had called animal control for months and nothing happened. So eventually, um, months later, animal control with the police came and, and, and picked up this horse. Um, and I just wanted to go to this, the, to the barn where it was taken and was being fostered to like get, have, you know, the, the picture of it in a good place and kind of like the story closed with a happy ending in my head. And so I went there and, um, the, these people said, Hey, we're, would you sign up on a list to transport other horses that are in the situation for animal control? And I was like, Oh, sure. So I, I put my name on it, my number. And the next morning they called me, uh, we have, there's a horse that's been confiscated. Um, the owner, is being charged criminally abuse for abuse. And would you foster it? And it was near death. And I, 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 I was like, I don't know. I, I, let me think about it because I never had, uh, an animal like that in my care. And I, I'm not, I'm, I know I'm super tough, but at the same time I am all heart. Uh, and that's what drives me. So I didn't know if I could, um, gosh, handle, having this horse who you know was near death and abused in my barn and having to see it every day but i but in the end i said it was it's the famous words of christine Lilly, one of my favorite players for the usa number 13 she she always just say it's it's so easy just to try and so i was like okay i am just gonna try so i went asked some friends to help me went picked up the horse and i was i walked her into the barn and she she just went <sighs> like that. And I was like, Oh my God, this is all it takes to make like a life changing difference is to care. And so I day by day asked for help and advice and tried, tried things. I, I loved her. I fed her, did whatever she need, whatever she needed. And she made it. And I realized then that I was like, Oh my gosh, if I could do this, anybody could. So I'm going to start asking people to, just help one animal at a time. And, um, I, we, I, you know, I can make a real difference. So that's how I got into it. It, it has been, uh, gosh, the, the most heartbreaking, um, wonderfully blessed, deep, um, 
joyful experience. Uh, um, and I, I lo- have loved every single day of it, no matter how hard it's been or uh, no regrets. Um, so now this is what I do. And we have, I have um, uh, some horses and uh, goats and dogs and cats and I'm always looking, for, you know, looking for sponsors and donations and how, how can I make this a bigger impact? So now, now my goal is transition to, you know, asking and, and involving the soccer community. So like what I, where I want it to be is in wherever an MLS team is or an NWSL team is, can we incorporate um, you know, that, that community, that soccer community into the animal welfare community to make, make a difference in everyone's lives, the, the animals and the people. Um, so that's my kind of my, one of my bigger goals. Um, but for now, it's, it's me cleaning up all the poop in the stalls every single day and taking care of everybody. And, um, I, you know, I'm having, I'm having the best, the best time. And it, and it, you know, with COVID going on, I know I'm talking a long time, but with no. COVID going on, it really, you know, the, and all the, the social unrest and all the chaos that is going on, I, I kind of figured out I can go one of two ways. I can get lost in, in the fear or the uncertainty of all of that, um, or I can allow that um, to narrow down the few things that I'm passionate about um, and that I love and, and, and let those things be my focus and, and my path um, for my purpose. And so that, that it's just enforced that even more over these past months. So that's anyway, that's my Michelle Akers horse rescue. Well, you're, you're a, you're a first responder to an extent, you know, except uh, yeah. every day, not just 2020. So, you know, look, these are amazing animals. I grew up around horses. Uh, they are, I've grew up, I've yeah. had a lot of animals uh, between me and my siblings and my children there's something special about horses. They have an intelligence that is uh, a little bit higher than your average, yeah. uh, not to disparage dogs, but it's a lot higher than the average dog. And yeah. uh, they look at you in the eyes and, you know, they, they, they know what's going on. So yeah. I can imagine the, uh, the, t- the difficulty of finding one that's, you know, in trouble, but also the reward of, of, of watching it go out one day and, and not being, you know, in that condition oh, yeah. anymore. So, how do people help you? Plug your plug plug what you're doing here. Okay. Uh, how do people help me? Right, you know, right now financially is the it's it's the biggest uh, crunch time in in history. Uh, so donations. It's, I'm a 501c3. Um, so donations. Uh, MichelleAkers.org or my my social media. I'm on Instagram and Twitter and all that. I'm always putting on a million pictures of everybody. I think today I put on a one of the pictures of, um, I call him the goat. He's, he's, his name's little Joe. Uh, he's 13 years old. And so I'm always putting pictures and stories up about who they are and where they came from, but you know, what, what their personality is like and the interaction we have every day. Uh, so that you can always reach me and reach me through there, donate through those channels as well. Well, we'll do what we can to help uh, help promote that a little bit. It's a it's an incredible cause, and it's an incredible transition for you as well. I mean, you are you are this uh, you're this explorer, you're this adventurer type person. <laughs> I mean, you're you you went to UCF and to Sweden, and now you're rescuing horses. I mean, I'm glad they discovered the uh, South Pole before you were in your 20s, or you might have been down there on a sled or something. You never know. I know. Right? I love it. I love the spirit. I love the spirit. So a couple of quick fire questions because we're up against our time. Uh, although I think we could have done this for a day or two. Um, so briefly, uh, in your mind, what makes a great midfielder? Oh, wow. Okay. Great midfielder. Well, the midfield <laughs> dictates the game, right? Um, so I think the midfield, uh, is is the like you know the core of the apple uh they're dictating the pace of the game they're the flow uh the the defense um so that to me 
a great midfielder has to be able to defend and attack, but also have the capacity to read the game and understand what needs to be done next uh, in the next steps defensively and, and in the attack. So uh, versatile, uh, high work rate, vision, uh, composure, and the, the, the all-around athlete. You know, that's, yep. that's, that's kind of how I picture it. What yep. about you? No, no, I totally agree. I think, uh, you know, I, look, I think playing out of the back is, uh, is something that can be learned and, and done. I think shooting at the goal is something that you either have or you don't have, but also can be learned and done. But the midfield makes it all happen. If somebody goes, oh, we're having trouble coming out of the back, a lot of times you can look at the midfield and find that they're in disarray. Or yeah. if you're not getting shots on goal, it's because the midfield, again, is not getting the ball in the places they should. Uh, so there's a lot of responsibility there. It's fun to watch. Uh, you know, again, I make it personal. My daughter who mainly plays defense, but now they've moved her to midfield and then actually striker. But by being well, a nice. defender – she understood exactly what she needed out of a midfielder, right? She knew right. exactly where she needed to be and when she needed to be there. And then now being a striker, she's learning, you know, where I actually need to be to get the ball and stuff. So it was interesting. It's, 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 it's unfortunate she got hurt, but, uh, you know, hopefully she'll continue afterwards. But you see, you see that midfield as really – the key to most people or most most games and their performance. If if the midfield plays well together, if they understand where they're supposed to be, if they can transition both ways, offense and defensively, a lot of good things can happen. And if they don't, it's 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 ugly. Yeah, it's ugly. Okay. Yeah, but no, we're gonna keep time. going. We gotta keep okay, going. Go, number two. Go, go, go. Number two, and this is uh really three parts. Um favorite coach, best coach, Ooh. whatever you want to call it. Wow. Oh, wow. 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 I uh, got to say Anson, Anson Dorrance. Okay. And uh, funny uh, because he recruited me to go to UNC and I absolutely hated him. Uh, <laughs> I just thought, God, what an arrogant guy. No way. I do not want to go there. Um, and then he, of course, how it works, that guy came and coached our national team and I, uh, you know, fell in love with him. He, I, I loved it. He, 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 he made it so challenging. It was so challenging and he made you choose how, how do I, how hard am I going to work to do this? Am I, you know, like you had to decide. And, yep. um, so I, I love that because then once you make that decision every day, you're all in and he, he's great at finding the thing uh, that motivates you and also um, bringing you into the vision of the team, but how the kind of player you can be um, in, in contributing to the team's success. And that, that to me was um, really career changing. Amazing, uh, amazing coach yeah. who, who, who may be one of the most amazing coaches of all U S sports. And, and again, uh, it's it's too small of a secret. Um, yeah. Toughest competitor? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, uh, my teammates. Okay. Yep. Uh, how many times did they beat the shit out of me in practice? And if I could survive them and then su succeed in practice against them, I, I knew uh, nobody else could touch me. Um, so absolutely that. Um, the the there were some, uh, a couple Norwegians in there that were very tough. Um, but God, you know, I just, it's my teammates, you know, one of those players, Lori Henry, she's, she was number five for the USA back, back in the day. Um, a, a, a center like stopper. Uh, she played at UNC. Uh, she's from Seattle area. So I grew up playing against her. I hated playing against her. She just was so damn tough. She was so tough. Like, like again, she made you decide how bad do you want to win uh, or, or am I going to be a baby and, 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 and try to avoid her, you know? So, um, God, she was amazing. Now she's a principal in the Seattle area of all things. That's um, great. so yeah, um, that, I, that's my answer. My, my, definitely my team, my teammates. Best player you enjoyed watching other than Michelle Akers? 
since everybody else was answered yeah. with Michelle Akers. Yeah, well, um, like I said, Christine Lilly, number 13, she mm-hmm. was my, uh, I just, I, she was so inspiring to me and what a great player, uh, my favorite player. Um, but nowadays, um, gosh, um, there's a bunch of new players and um, um, a bunch of players on, on the U.S. team that uh, there's probably five of them. Um, I, I see, I not only like love the player, but I love how they interact with their team. So, um, that to me is super inspiring. Uh, so anyway, there, there's a, there's a few, there's a few. That's fine. Um, okay. Two left. Uh, any good stories that most people would not know that you're willing to share? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, here's, here's a funny one. This is stuff that happens to me all the time. Um, that you mentioned that one of the, um, one of the things on my bio was being named FIFA 100 from Pele, um, uh, on that FIFA 100 list, which Mia was of course yep. named to. Um, so they came to my house in Florida to do this photo shoot. And I, I had, you know, my horses there. It was after I retired. And I, I think it was after I retired. And, and so they said, Hey, can we take a picture of you on your horse? So I got stormy. Uh, she's a, uh, an appendix off the track. Um, I rescued, I got her. And so I am bareback on her sitting on her and the guy takes the picture and it has a flash and she bucked me off right in front of that camera. And I fell down and she ran away on my five acre property, I had to go get her. That was like super embarrassing. And I was like, Oh my God, they're going to use the picture of me getting bucked off. That will be horrible. But they didn't thank God. So if anyone, there was a book they produced, if anyone has that book and you see a picture of me sitting on my horse, I was bucked off like a second. (laughs) Seconds later. Yes. Uh, yeah, I've been bucked off. I can still (laughs) see the look on my dad's face of disgust. Like what is wrong with you kid? You know, it's like, and, and the same thing, go get it now. You know, yes, go, yes. Go get it. Um, all right. Anything we should have asked you that we didn't? Oh, gosh. No, I never volunteer any of that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, no, but thank you so much. And great, great interview and great to, to talk to you. Yeah, no, this was uh, this was a lot of fun. Thank you, Michelle Akers. Everyone go to michelleacres.org and get involved and help her save some some wonderful, beautiful animals. Uh, you have brought a, a, a really bright light to our day and made us better people, better soccer people. And for our listeners, please keep listening and share with your groups and friends. Don't let anybody miss this episode. It's incredible. And also check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And um, we're going to continue taking you inside soccer with some wonderful guests like we did today. Michelle, thank you so much. And we'll speak soon. Thanks, Bill.